I came out to my mother at 50, <laughs> which is, it just seems crazy. Right. And a lot of people would think, well, you're, you're in a relationship with, with a man and you're coming out as bisexual to your mother. Why does that even matter? Um, but it does, it really does. After holding that inside and not sharing that with key people that you love in your life for so long to suddenly come out with that, it's a really big deal. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 241. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Allie and Galen, who live on a boat. (laughs) And that's exciting, isn't it? I imagine it is. (laughs) I wasn't... Yes, it is exciting. I wasn't ready for you to come at me with such enthusiasm. <laughs> it is. It's exciting and it's amazing. And actually, that brings me to one point uh, before we say thank you is as you listen to this, you'll notice there's a bit of ambiance. That's because they're sitting on a boat and it's rocking back and forth and creaking and stuff is thumping. So ambiance. It's, yeah. it's like talking to pirates. Right. <laughs> Hopefully they appreciate that. I think I- – <laughs> I think they'll appreciate it very much so. <laughs> anyway, they describe themselves as being, as being happily unmarried for 21 years, and they've gone through their own journey exploring non-monogamy throughout their relationship. Yeah, it's definitely what – well, the way they describe it is very organic. They're just sort of figuring out what works for them, and it ebbs and flows, and it's just amazing. So uh, this conversation is a little bit longer as well. Uh, because it covers so much amazing ground, there's some amazing stories in there about – uh, Allie's dad and just some beautiful life lessons. So we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. And again, thank you, Allie and Galen, for coming on and sharing your story. Yes, thank you so much. Before you fast forward our announcements piece here, we have some exciting new announcements. So don't don't skip ahead. We'll, we'll get through them really quick, but we just wanted to share some really exciting things that Finn and I have going on and that we wanted to share with all of you. So are ready? Drum roll, drum roll. Drum roll. <laughs> drum roll, please. We are moving to the San Francisco Bay Area at the end of August because I am going to be starting grad school. And so what this means for you? Uh, not a whole lot, actually. <laughs> the podcast isn't changing. We're going to continue with our interviews. We're going to continue with all of our virtual events and our community. However, over the next couple of months, we are going to be getting ready to move and things are going to be very hectic. So just be a little patient with us. That's really it. Yeah. We've been banking interviews for the last few weeks to get ourselves in really good shape. And we're super excited about the move. Emma's going to be starting grad school. I'm going to be trying to figure out what I'm doing. Probably going to have to get another job because, you know, podcasting doesn't quite pay the bills in San Francisco, I don't think. (laughs) So we're going to be looking for housing. We're going to be looking for jobs. And we're going to be, yeah, lots of big life changes coming our way. And we're super excited about it. So Bay Area, we're coming towards you. And we're going to be doing more in-person events. We're going to hopefully be able to add some virtual events. And yeah, we're really, really excited. So we thought we'd tell all of you about our exciting news. 
Yes, we can't wait. And since this is a little bit longer of an episode, we're not going to do our other announcements that we typically do. So we're going to jump into the interview. But a quick reminder, if you'd like to come on the podcast or send us questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the contact us button. Perhaps you're a billionaire heiress and you have a spare (laughs) carriage house in your backyard in San Francisco that you're just looking for two amazing podcast hosts to come and live with you. To rent. I'm a fantastic cook. I mow lawns like a pro. I clean. I do my own laundry. I'll do your laundry. So, yeah. Just trying to sell it there. I'm just trying to say we make really good roommates. And we would we would love to live in your carriage house. We think we make really good roommates. Hopefully, people would agree. I agree. You're a great roommate. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. So are you. So I guess. Well, that's there good. we go. We there, have one. All... We have at least one reference <laughs> for run, each of us. Run, 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 run reference for each of us. That's all we need. That's, that's all right. we need. Okay. So. Now let's go jump into this interview. <laughs> Should I go? Ahoy! No, we're not doing that. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Galen and Allison. Allison and Galen. Allie and Galen, I don't even know what we're supposed to call you. What should we call you today? Any of that works. Yeah. 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 Uh, Most of my close friends call me Allie. Feel free to call me Allie. Ah, cool. Close friends already. Well, welcome to the show, (laughs) Allie and Galen. Thank you for being here. Uh, We're excited to to hear more about your story in many different aspects because, well, I won't ruin it. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. So we have been living on a sailboat since October 2020. So we're going on two years. We were sailing for a good 15 years before that, and we just fell in love with it and the romanticism of it, the adventure of it, and decided we wanted to make this our regular way of living. And it really is its own unique lifestyle where you're traveling around and you're in a different place every few days and meeting different people. Uh, It's a very different way of living, but we absolutely love it. Yeah. And that's the thing for me is meeting, meeting all the different people. I mean, like last night we met people that, uh, you'd only talk to online, I believe. Right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you, be- you become great friends with them on online. We're tracking each other and, uh, and supporting each other from a distance. Yeah, she just went to the Bahamas and back and we're talking, where are you, where are you now? Are you safe? What's going on? You know, and all the trials and tribulations that go into this lifestyle, we kind of support each other through and, uh, yeah, it was really neat to meet up with them. Then we met up, uh, somebody else saw that we were meeting up and came over from his boat. Uh, and he wound up having dinner with us from New Zealand, had dinner with us. And man, we, it's just, you just meet so many cool people and it's so easy to meet people. Everybody just wants to be social. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And Emma and I traveled in South America for about a year, um, back in 2018 and 2019. And yeah, the camaraderie of like, you just find other people who are doing it a little different and you, you relate. And sometimes you, you know, you're friends for three or four days and then you never see each other again. And so those sort of transient friendships are really an interesting relationship sort of dynamic. Um, so it's yeah. its own unique thing, right? Where, where you kind of recognize, and I, I relate it a lot to polyamory and to relationships where you might only have this person in your life for a very small period of time, but they have an impact and a positive impression on you. And I just love yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Well, that leads me to ask, like, can you describe a little bit about your, how long you've been together, what your relationship dynamic is. We got together what, 20, well, we've known each other for about 24, 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got together 21 years ago 
in April. And I love that he remembers. I, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were playing in 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 bands. So we're musicians, um, and uh, we were playing in a band together. And um, one thing led to another, and eventually we we got together. And um, yeah, so when we got together, it was it was a, a conventional relationship. We were both coming out of divorces, and um, you know, trying to kind of start anew, but wanting to do things a little differently. And neither we've been happily unmarried for 21 years. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, and, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, raised two amazing kids and, and we even have grandkids. And uh, so we have this fantastic life that we've built together. Um, and what would you say? Maybe, I don't know, four or five years into the relationship, we started, you know, thinking a little bit unconventionally. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and I, I actually don't know how it all started. It, one thing I love about our relationship is it's always been organic. There's never been like a, uh, a forced like thing, like, well, I'm missing this. I need to try this out. Or it's always been just kind of like, it just we, evolves. And we've been, we've been talking. Um, and, and that maybe that's one of the things is, uh, our communication because we communicate a lot about, about a relationship, even before we uh, were poly, and you got to understand, this is before I ever heard the word polyamorous. Yeah, it's not like we heard about it and decided to do it. It, yeah. it just kind of developed. And I, I don't even. And it, this is way before I believe before any of uh, any of the books or or you know or or, or pa- a podcast like this were out. And it was it was um, so we didn't know what we were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and we uh, and we started exploring. I think. Um, because of, uh, you, you coming out, um, as, as bisexual. I think you're right. I think looking back on it, we probably, um, we probably should have a kind of a timeline in our minds, but it's like, I love the way you put that. It's just kind of organic the way it developed. But when I was raised very conservative Christian, um, and, uh, in that kind of environment where it's very, you have these very set rules that you have to live by. Um, and after I get together with Galen, he completely corrupted me. And over time, <laughs> you know, uh, he allowed me to kind of expand into who I really was. And, I had known for a long time that I was bisexual, but that was just something that you didn't talk about and you didn't reveal to people. And after being with him for a a couple of years, I had this wonderful man sitting next to me going, well, why have you never really explored that? I mean, I don't want to keep you from exploring that, that that's part of who you are. So let's talk more about that. And I think that was kind of how the whole thing started evolving. Yeah. And, but then it kind of, it kind of turned more into a kind of turned more into a swinging lifestyle sort of briefly. Yeah. Yeah. But that didn't really fit us. Um, yeah. And it just, uh, and we, like I said, we just didn't know what, what we were, um, we were, and then we would have these relationships and get these emotional attachments. And it was like, uh, wait a minute, this is, this is something different. We're not just going to a party and, you know, you know, playing around with people. This is, Right. And it's, different? and it's not that we didn't make a few good connections it, in those experiences, but oh, I mean, great and, and some good friendships. But we realized after not very long that the piece of it that really mattered to us and that drew us in was that emotional connection with certain individuals and that being a more ongoing thing. And so we started gravitating that direction. Um, and we realized that was so much more meaningful and brought so much more into our lives. That's just who we are. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that makes total sense. And are you able to maybe, it sounds like the swinging chapter was fairly brief one. Are you able to maybe talk a little bit about like how you navigated from like Ali, you coming out to, to Galen is by to like going from like that leap from like, Hey, I'm bisexual to like, Hey, we should like, we should actually do something about this. Like there's this, that's still a big shift to like introduce, like actually doing something about that. Cause a lot mm. of people would just never. I have to give Galen some serious props because I think, uh, I think one of the amazing things about him is that he's very assured in who he is and his masculinity and, 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 and good masculinity, like supportive, just, you know, I know who I am kind of masculinity. Uh, and I think that very early on in those conversations, he made it clear that it's okay for me to be attracted to someone else. And that doesn't have to take away from who he is and our relationship. And at first it was extremely empowering for a person who is coming out in my thirties as, as bisexual to be able to say to him, wow, did you see that woman? She was so cute, you know, and, and to have those conversations rather than bottling it up and being like, Oh, geez, I can't say anything about that, but I'm thinking it and I'm feeling it and I'm allowing myself to feel those things more openly. I could actually say that to him and we could have a conversation about it. And that was so empowering for a person revealing themselves. So I thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm curious, Galen, on your end, if the comments were coming, at least in those early days, like, Oh, look at that hot, hot dude that just walked by. Like, do you feel like there would have been a difference? Like if, if the approach hadn't been like, I'm bisexual, I'm interested in women, but like, I'm just interested in being open and exploring other relationships of, of any gender. Would that have been a, just, I guess, looking back 15 years, do you think that would have been a different reaction on your end? Um, I'm not sure. Um, that that's, yeah, that's a good question. And it's, it's hard to, um, go back as I, I have to, you know, de de evolve, you know, <laughs> you know, back back to where I was then. Um, it it might have been, um, it might have been an issue. Um, but if it was, it was something I would work through. I would hope. But at the same time, I say that. But it, it's like, um, I knew this. It was heading this direction, and we even said that. Mm-hmm. We even said that we even said, well, you know, this is we're we're here at this point We're we're playing, we're doing some things. Mm-hmm. Eventually, this is going to be something where we're doing doing more with other people kind of on our own sort of thing. And yeah, we even talked about the fact that that we knew that, OK, two years from now, we're probably going to be a little bit more open and a little bit more accepting of different things. But this is where we are now. And let's just always keep communicating about what each other feels comfortable with. And and the you know, I always hear um, people who are are uh, talking about their polyamorous relationships, talk extensively about their rules. And we don't have a lot of rules, but the big one for us has always been if it doesn't help enhance who we are as a couple, we don't do it. Um, and, and that, that can mean a lot of different things, right? I mean, I, I could spend time with someone and gain valuable experience and, and, uh, emotions and, and, you know, uh, just things that have happened, you know, with that person and bring it back into our relationship in a positive way. It could be lots of different things. Um, a new friendship, whatever. 
But if it's something that's toxic, that somehow pulls us away from each other in any way, we just, we end it period. Because this right here, the two of us is a very strong entity. And, and obviously if we've been together over 20 years and we're still happy and we're living in a tiny little space and not killing each other. Right. So, <laughs> so we don't want to do anything to jeopardize that, that that's, that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking back, well, thank you for, for commenting on that. I think that's a really powerful statement of like the, the way you look at and you navigate that I guess, rule in your relationship or I I hate the word rule. I think I know. <laughs> that can be, that can mm. be so like rigid. Um, but looking back, how did you, how did that transition to like swinging and then from swinging onto polyamory looks like for you guys? So that's interesting. So I guess we have to talk about the sauna. <laughs> Your boat has a sauna. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. but now, but now it will. I, yeah. it, it's going to. Sometimes it feels like a sauna, um, or as they say up there, sauna. That's um, right. Yes. Um, so in Maine, we have this notorious, wonderful place um, that's a Finnish sauna, and it has various rooms, little sauna rooms and one big kind of open sauna and a indoor an indoor pool and a gigantic hot tub in which to make hippie soup and um (laughs) everybody everybody there is um naked it's a nudist place there's an inn well they don't have to be they don't have to be but it's it's yeah clothing optional absolutely and um there's an inn like a bed and breakfast next door (laughs) somehow all of these different it's a word i'm looking people from different lifestyles people from different lifestyles all these different uh, factions i guess is Mm -hmm. the best word i can come up with at the moment um all coexist peacefully in this area and it's amazing to watch i mean if you're if you're uh you know if you like to study humans at all, this is a great place to go watch the interactions. Books of, could be written about that place. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> and a, a, actually, a play was, I believe. Yep, um, yep. There yeah. is a play that was written. Um, but but you have you have folks that that are uh, true nudists, and there's nothing sexual about you know the experience, and they go there because they want that experience. You have uh, people who are every part of LGBTQIA plus, you know, and, and, um, and you have swingers and, and people who are poly, you, you have everything, uh, yeah. there and, and everyone's for the most part, our experience has been, people are very respectful. Yeah. And it's, it's really strange to have, to have all of this together. That being said, um, our first experiences were going to this place and, uh, meeting other like-minded couples and, you know, we would, we would play with them in different aspects, um, different, you know, at, at different degrees, whatever we were comfortable with at that, at that time, you know, eventually, yeah, that, and that place can get as mild or as, as crazy as, as you want really. Um, uh, but that, that was kind of our, um, that was kind of how we put ourselves into the, into the lifestyle. And there was one retreat that we went to very early in the process and we wound up writing a song about it. 
Um, <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that. How can you forget about how that? How can I forget about uh, that? <laughs> yeah. So you, you remember we're songwriters. So a lot of times these experiences wind up coming out in the music that we write. And, uh, we did a band for a while called, uh, Bangtown Swingers in Maine. And it was a very popular band that was all kind of tongue in cheek, off color music, you know, a little, <laughs> you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and we wrote a lot of our own music and we wrote a song about a retreat that we went to in a hotel room. They had an entire, uh, an entire wing of a hotel. This is where we found out that we weren't swingers. <laughs> it really was. It really was. <laughs> because we were so overwhelmed and, and oh my um, God. Yeah, the song's called First Time at a Fetish Orgy. And uh, <laughs> and it, it was all, uh, you know, gosh, mm, it, it was all about the crazy things that we saw that night. And I say crazy with love because, oh, you yeah. know, I never want to yuck anybody else's yum. Um, but it was just a little too much for us, uh, a, a little too much cosplay involved with everything and animal play and you name it. Well, not, uh, not real not animals. Real animals <laughs> but, no. you know, people dressed up like animals you yeah. know, and stuff like yeah. that. And we just said, you know this just isn't who we are. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, good for them. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember like applauding people. Being like, yeah, oh my like, wow, this was, if I'd gone to a, a cabaret show and this is what I saw, I think I'd be really quite I impressed, mean, but, <laughs> but, you know, but we, we can totally, sorry, we can totally relate to that. Like you sometimes you wind up in a space where you're like, I'm so glad this space exists, but I don't, I don't fit in here. And like, it's not like, Hey, I don't want this to be here. Like I want this to be here, but maybe, Maybe our people are in a different space and we just have to then go find that space. And, and, but it's still like an amazing experience. You have fun with it. You can write a song about it, right? Like you, you get, <laughs> it enriches your life story, but you're like, you know, maybe my space is a different space and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. But well you put. have to try to figure it out, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and I'm just curious that like, maybe briefly to like touch on that first time you're going to walk into these doors of this place. Like what, what's going on for both of you? Because one of the things that we often say to people is like, you know, if you're new, just go to something, go try something. Even if all you do is just sit in the corner and watch what's happening and you talk to each other just to expose yourself to like these other people, these other ways of living. Like, and it's, we say it sort of flippantly, Knowing though that like there is anxiety and stress and fear that goes into like you've got to like get in the car and drive there and get out of the car and walk across the parking lot and all of those things can be a little bit terrifying if you have no idea what you're walking into. Yeah, I mean, like, like I remember the first time that we went to the sauna, and um, and they were very, very respectful and so nice there, and they they knew that we were first timers there, and that that first time disrobing, um, yeah. I, I think anyone anyone, regardless of their feelings about nudity or, or anything like that would, would feel a little apprehensive in the beginning. Um, but I, I think we've been really lucky that we've been surrounded by a lot of people who have made us feel comfortable and who have, who have gone out of their way to be like, this doesn't have to be a big, scary thing, you know, and just do what you feel comfortable doing. And, you know, yeah. and we're, and we're kind of comfortable in our own skin. Um, and that makes a big difference because, when we go into a place and yes, it, it, the anxiety you described is, is, is present, but it's kind of overridden by the idea that nobody's going to make me do anything I don't want to do this. Yeah. That just can't happen. So 
I'm, I can stand here. I can turn around. I can walk out. It's, it's not a, it's, it's not a, even if it's a high pressure situation, we just say no, we can, we can leave. Um, so that kind of overrides the anxiety, but it is there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I was just thinking sometimes, like you said, like that first time you disrobed. And I think for me, even now, I think sometimes like you go to do that and you expect there to be like this, like gasp or like the crap, like, and then there's just like nothing. And you're just like, okay, well, I don't know why every time I think I do this, something's going to happen and then nothing happens. And then then the next time it's the same damn way. So I, yeah, you're just, it, it, in those spaces, it's just such like a non-issue. And almost sometimes that's like puzzling to me, like, well, this, we're so conditioned to think that like this is going to get elicit some type of reaction and then it doesn't. And then, yeah, it's, it's just, well, a I didn't get thing. applause, but they didn't. Right. Boo right. Me, so. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. we're okay. Nobody booed and nobody cheered. I guess. I don't know. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just normal. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. we're all human. <laughs> Everybody's feeling some of the same things. Right. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so how did, how did you both transition from, from swinging into more relationships and polyamory? They wrote a song. <laughs> we wrote, we wrote a song. We're done with swinging. Now we're poly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, it was a, it was a long transition. I think, I, 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 I think it did start maybe with, with that, that party we went to when we were like, okay, we kind of like the kink community and we like the... Definitely support it. We definitely like the swinging community. And there's some swinging parties we went to and they were, yeah, we had fun. I'm not going to lie about that. And yeah. then, then we had the, um, yeah, and we had the place where we were going, the sauna and having these experiences. I think it, it just, we just kept pushing I don't know, say pushing boundaries, but maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, pushing, pushing boundaries into what we felt we wanted. And then eventually I heard the word polyamory and I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds like what we are. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I, I think around the same time, you know, without using any names and situations, there was the, the first woman that we kind of had a relationship with was someone who was a friend in our lives and it it didn't even wind up becoming very physical. It was more emotional. Um, but the person was over at our house all the time. We were, we were talking all the time. We were having, um, a lot of emotional connection. And, and I think that's when for me, I started realizing, wow, this is like a, a really powerful connection we're building with, um, this individual. And, um, and we just, things just started changing in our mindset. Yeah. I think that, that right. It's sort of like you said all along that natural organic evolution of Mm -hmm. you two finding what works and, and not forcing, not forcing anything. And so how, how did that first relationship go? And, and maybe also like, what is, what is the relationship dynamic today? Look, Maybe start there. Yeah. Maybe that's a good place to start. (laughs) Hmm. So, so I, 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 I want to insert something and one of the ways that our, our relationship has developed. And again, I'm going to give Galen some props because, um, early on 
it, it was more about the fact that I had come out as bisexual and, and allowing me to explore that a little bit and, and, and things like that. Um, and, and he is, he's a straight male. And, um, and at first I, I really, I don't find myself attracted to that many additional men. I do occasionally, but, but not as often. Um, I just, you're, you're just too much of a, a specimen <laughs> and an amazing individual. I just don't find other people as attractive. Um, but <laughs> we'll go with that. Good Lord. Yeah. Now the, the ego is going to sink your boat, but go on. Go on. <laughs> it's already, it's already tilting. We're, yeah. I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but early on, you know, we kind of set the parameter that, that, uh, Galen, if you don't mind me saying so, was not interested in doing things with other men, um, you know, unless it was like two couples together, you know, you know, uh, or something like that. And, and not I, that I had a problem with you. It's, I just didn't personally, I didn't want right, right. Exactly. Um, and yet we, we kinda, I don't remember if you actually said, I don't really want you dating other men without me, but we kind of, kind of decided early on that that wasn't really a direction that we were going as much. I, th I think, see, uh, that's where I think we differ a little bit because okay. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have that feeling that that was a, um, a thing. Okay. Um, it just never came up. Maybe I just never asked. Um, yeah, I, it, I, it, for me, it, it, I don't remember, I don't remember having to process that or, 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 or having conversations about it. But a few years ago, there was someone who came back into my life that I hadn't seen in a lot of years. And I'd always been attracted to him. And my first thought was, well, I don't know how Galen would feel about that. Cause I haven't really, um, had a lot of separate relationships with, with other men. And, uh, and he immediately was like, well, I don't want to keep you from having that experience. Absolutely. You know, if, if that's something you want to pursue, then you should be able to do that. And that meant so much to me to, to know that you have that, that someone cares enough about my feelings and my emotions that they don't want to stand in the way of any of them. I think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. And, and I, I can even see too, where there would be like an additional level of fear because there's already some like established connection. And I think this is that double-edged sword that you sometimes see is like, Oh, well I started talking to an old ex and there's like, well, that's an established, like, safe entity, but also now it's a scarier entity because you know that the connection is there. And so it's, I can see how that goes both ways. But yeah, it's amazing that, that the sort of embracing it was there. I would actually, yeah, I, actually, I'm, I'm weirdly more comfortable with, with, uh, with that scenario than, than I would be. I guess, I guess it doesn't matter, but, um, I'd be more comfortable with you having relationship with someone we already have an established connection with mm -hmm. that, because then I don't have to get to know somebody. <laughs> you know, I, already, I know what this cat's all about. And, you know, we already have like an established thing and it's, you know, mm -hmm. I know, I know what their, their, you know, if their motives are, are good or not. And yeah. So I, I think I'd actually weirdly be more comfortable um, with that, but you know, it's somehow it's not really come up all that much except for maybe a couple of times. Mm. Yeah. And yet the, the women who have been in our lives, a lot of times they've been friends beforehand. Um, and it's just kind of evolved. Yeah. And going back to, um, we were talking about, 
you know, when we discovered, when I discovered the word polyamory and what that, and what that all meant, I was really excited to, to have a sense of, uh, oh, wait a minute. Now I have a community. I have, I have people that are, are just like us. And I began to find out that we're kind of outliers in that too, a little bit. And it's, uh, and I think it's because a lot of, a lot of times that we, we do date, um, together and that, um, that seems to have a, um, oh, that seems to have a, uh, a negative connotation. Yeah. Even a predatory sort of thing. And I get it, man. I, I get it. You see these, these, you know, these new people new to the lifestyle and they're, you know, you know, they're out talking about, you know, where's, you know, looking for our third and all that stuff. And, and, but that's not how we do it. That's not who we are, but we just happen to have relationships a lot. And number, and, and, and one of the reasons for that is our, we're always up in each other's business. <laughs> we're, we, we live in a very small space. And I think the other reason for that is I think people are attracted I know because we've had these conversations with, with our, our lovers and, um, people are attracted to our relationship as much as they're attracted to us sometimes. Yeah. That's definitely not something that we ever, um, in, encouraged or, or tried to do anything with, but what we've heard from other people that we've had relationships with is there was something kind of magnet magnetic about our, the strength of our relationship that drew them in and they kind of wanted part of that. And they felt connected to it. And, um, and I don't think that's a negative thing, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't see how it could be. And, uh, and, but I totally, I, like you said, I totally get that. Um, you know, people, people talk about unicorn hunting and things like that. I understand why people have concerns about it from that perspective. But one of the things that's different for us is that, uh, we would never, tell someone that they couldn't see other people, you know, that I think that's a big determining line. It's more like, um, like we have someone who we have an, an, an all the time emotional relationship and once in a while physical relationship with who lives up in Canada and we don't get to see her all the time. And we would never in a million years say, and we're not comfortable with you seeing Good other Lord. people. Well, you know, of course not, you know, but so, so we do quite often have relationships together with other women, um, but there aren't big parameters put on it. Yeah. It's a little more casual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well, and, well I don't know about it's, I don't know what casual, but, um, but not restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a better yeah. way to phrase it. Yeah. And yeah. And we get the, the whole, you know, couples privilege thing too. We're, we're aware of that. And, you know, honestly, I think as long as everybody's talking and, and open and, and aware of, of all the different dynamics that can happen in, that type of, that type of relationship, then, then I, I think, you know, it's manageable, I, you know? Yeah. As long as everyone feels comfortable and heard and respected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think even just having the awareness that couples privilege is prevalent and present, right. Even if you're trying so hard not to like it's there and that you have in those open lines of communication with your other, your other partners, Especially if it's not maybe another couple where, you know, your friend or your partner up in Canada, like she may not have another anchor to go to when things are hard. If, if, if you're those people, right, then it's like, well, my people I turn to when I'm in a hard place 
And now if she's in a hard place with you, like there's nowhere to turn, but you two can always turn to each other. And so like, there are those imbalances. And I think even just like you said, like you, you, you're aware. And I think that that alone sets you apart in that like dynamic. And I think bottom line is if you, if you truly care about someone, if you, if you love someone that deeply, you're, you're going to, you're going to want to hear them out. You're not going want, you don't want them to suffer or to be in, in, in pain or, um, you know, emotionally. And, and you, and you want to, you want to fix it. You want to, you want to help them, um, through whatever. And if that means that they, you know, it's better for them to, you know, to not be in that relationship, then that's just the way you have to, that's the way it plays out. But I, I, yeah, I, th- I think as long as everybody's, you know, understanding that it all, as long as everything comes from a, a place of love, mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I think that's the big, the big thing. Yeah. Love and respect. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I just, um, wanted to summarize a little bit, I guess, from what you, you both have been talking about. Um, so from what I'm hearing, like you, started to explore swinging because you opened up about your bisexuality and went down that journey. It didn't really work out. So you started down the polyamory journey and mostly that, that dynamic has looked like for you both dating other women together. Uh, it sounds like there's been a little, a few exceptions here and there of some other relationships that may have happened. Uh, but predominantly mostly like you two dating other women. And that's kind of where you're at now. Is that true? Uh, yeah. But, yeah, but at the same time we're that. open to, Whatever. Yeah. Right. We, right. It's not, long. it's not like the only thing it's just, it's where, yeah, you're open to other possibilities. There's yeah. There's no, yeah. There's no, like, uh, like we said before, there's no rules or anything. It's, uh, it's just, that's how, and, and dating together is always kind of a weird thing too, because it's, there's always an imbalance mm. of like, this person is, you know, with me, but also with you too, but, or the, you know, you, you guys are together, but I'm kind of thrown in there too, somehow. Yeah. Like, and it's, I don't think, I don't think I've ever felt like a third wheel. I hope you have never felt that way, you know, but, but we have had like, I'm a little bit more connected to this person. You're a little bit more connected to that person. Maybe you guys chat a lot more than I chat with that person uh, when we're not together and things like that. So yeah, you have those little imbalances of you're a little closer to this individual. I'm a little closer to another one. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think that's just life, right? Like even if it's just a friendship, like, we don't chat with our friends at the same level. Right. And so to think that some new person comes in and even if love is involved, that all three dynamics are going to be exactly the same. Like it's just, it's not, I mean, it's pretty improbable. I would say maybe not impossible. I would even say that's, that's, I think a lot of people come into the idea of polyamory with that idealist view uh, and mm-hmm. then it doesn't work out and they say, well, polyamory doesn't work. It's like, well, maybe it doesn't work for you, you or know, it doesn't work that way. Or it doesn't work that way. Exactly. I think, I think one of the keys to, and I'm by no means an expert. Um, but I think one of the keys to, to having a, a really successful poly poly relationship for a long time is understanding that things are, things are going to change. Things are going to grow. Things are going to move around. What you want is going to move around. What your partner wants is going to move around. 
um, and, and being willing to move with that over time. And if you're not willing to make those adjustments, those rigid lines eventually wind up creating a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to communicate along the way that like, Hey, something is different, right? Because it's so easy to like, you know, what's going on in your head. Like, Oh, I don't want that thing anymore. And the other person doesn't have that vision into your brain. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, but you wanted this, like, I don't want that. And you're like, ah, well, like I didn't know that. And so like being able those, those open lines of communication, almost over communicating. Yeah. It's, I think it's critical in there along the way. Yeah, absolutely. For us. Yeah. I think I kind of fell in love with the whole idea of, um, and this is so much like the cruiser community, people who live on their boats. I, I fell in love with the whole concept of someone comes into our lives. Maybe, maybe they're only there for a few months. Maybe they're there for a year, you know, whatever, but someone who's there long enough to make an emotional connection with, um, and even if they then move on and decide, well, I'm not really feeling like I am poly and I, or I'm committing to this monogamous relationship now going forward. Um, I think in the beginning it, you see that as a failure, right? You have a failed poly relationship with someone, but I don't really see it that way anymore. I see it more like, wow, I had three months with this person. We had these amazing experiences. These are the things that I learned from it. And, and it was part of my journey in the process. And I, I try very hard. And so far I think I've succeeded to never burn those bridges when those things do wind up ending for various reasons. I still want to be connected to those people because they brought something really unique and beautiful into my life. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it can be so hard, right? If like, especially if maybe you're in love or it's a deep connection and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, now I need to go, onto the next phase for me. And you're kind of like, I'm not ready. I, w- I want more of this. So like, I mean, good for you to be able to like navigate that. And I'm sure it's not easy, right? It's not like every time you're just like applause and send them off with a party, but like, I'm sure it's, it's still hard, but like, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, we, yeah. And we've had, we've had two occasions that I can immediately think of where we really did fall in love with the person and we were very ready to, take the relationship to the next level. And that, that person decided they were going to be monogamous. Um, and very, one of them, one of them rather quickly got married and another one very quickly went into an old relationship monogamously. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it hurts, you know, you're like, Oh, I really thought this was going someplace amazing. And then all of a sudden abruptly it ends, but I also have to respect their journey and what they're deciding and what's best for them. And if that really is what's going to make them happy, I should want that for them. And, th- and that's interesting. That brings up a whole other thing um, that I I don't know if I've ever heard this talked about. Um, oh, this should be interesting. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like, so when we we have had a relationship that that ended at the time, uh, it kind of crashed and burned, and it was heartbreaking Mm -hmm. and we were both we this is someone we were in with together um very much in love with fully invested very much in love with still am but that was interesting to deal with the breakup and heartache together and i think i think we could i think we could have learned from how we how we did i think we could learn from how we did that because i don't think we communicated enough about that at the time and I think we were just kind of like both just kind of 
off on our corners, you know, yeah, and it's I, like, I, uh, I agree. And I, I think we both were hurting a lot and we, we looking back on that, we hurt too much separately when that happened. Cause it was our, our first time really dealing with a dramatic kind of breakup situation that didn't have to go down the way it did. It was just unfortunate. Um, she was going through some stuff at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think we, we both were just heart sick and there was, there were a lot of tears, but a lot of tears separately. And you're right. I look back on that and think, uh, that's something you can't talk about as, as openly, right? I mean, we're, we're pretty much just out there now, but at that point in time, a lot of people didn't know I was bi. A lot of people didn't know that we were poly. And so you couldn't go to some of our closest friends believe it or not at that time and say, Oh my God, I'm such a mess. You can't just walk up and say, Oh, my girlfriend just broke up with me. Like someone would in a conventional monogamous kind of conversation. We couldn't just say, Oh my gosh, we both just got our hearts just handed to us and we are a mess and we haven't stopped crying in three days, but we can't really tell you about it and you're not going to understand. So that was hard that, that first time that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was something we, uh, we had no, we were our only support system. We didn't use that quick enough. I think. Yeah, I agree. Lesson yeah. learned. No, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. such a hard thing. And I'm, and I'm curious, it, it, it pulls up a, a question around because we've, we've been in the poly world now mm-hmm. sort of doing a polyamorous relationship for like 18 months or so. And we've gone through times where, one or both of us are really hurting and something that comes up for me. And I think you've expressed it. It sort of comes up sometimes is like, you know, we're still in a relationship yet. We're both sad about another relationship or one of us is sad about another relationship. And it's so easy to be like, well, what are you sad about that for? Like, I'm still here. Why am I not enough to make you happy? And then you have to look and go, well, shit, I'm sad. <laughs> And, and I'm still happy with Emma, but like, I'm sad about this other thing. And then to be able to like, get rid of your ego and say like, I can't be everything. They're going to be sad because there's other influences in their life than me. And, but the first time you come up against that, and even the 10th time you come up against that, it can still be like, it's a, it's a, a hard, sometimes a hard thing to like reconcile. I don't know if, if that's something you two experienced in that first or subsequent, like, experiences going through that heartbreak. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, and I'm trying to think of other, I think most everything else, that was the only time we'd had that. Yeah. That was, that was the only time where, where things kind of self-destructed versus a person just being like, Hey, this is really what's best for me. And they move on. Oh, okay. No, let's, 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 uh, look deeper than that because, um, no, there was, there was one where I felt, I felt betrayed. Yep. I felt, yep. More I so felt than me. hurt. Um, yep. um, I, f- yeah, I, I felt actually used for this person to have this, um, you know, go back to a continual toxic monogamous relationship that was just obviously just bad in my opinion. And, I, I just felt like, oh, what, what, what were we? What, why, you know, what did we mean in this? And I, I felt hurt by it, but you less so. Um, yeah, I, I think that was. Uh, I know the situation that you're talking about, and and 
I think that was one of those turning points for me where I started recognizing the, okay, sometimes these folks are going to come into our lives and they're going to, like I I mentioned before, it's like, you're going to have this amazing experience with them and then things change and that's okay. I mean, I would have preferred that she not go back into what seemed like a very toxic relationship because I wanted her to be happy. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that was the point where my mindset was starting to change where, you know, those things are going to happen and then you just kind of keep moving through life and take the good that you experienced with that person. And I'm trying to remember what the, um, how we, uh, treated that emotionally between us. I remember expressing that and I think I expressed it more as, uh, as anger Mm -hmm. than I did. I mean, I was sad obviously, but, um, yeah, I think I was just, uh, I was just upset about it. Yeah. And I, I remember like you saying, uh, like I w- would be chatting with her online after the fact, cause I tried to, yeah, tried to, and did, we have stayed friends with that. Oh, individual. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I remember him saying things like, why are you talking to her so much? Because in his mind, he felt used and betrayed and hurt. And here I was chatting with her online where I was trying to, trying to be, I was trying to ease my hurt by still staying connected to her to some degree and trying to be supportive. And in the back of my mind, probably thinking this is probably going to destruct on her. And I'm not sure if we want to put ourselves in the position of picking up the pieces afterward, but I don't want to totally close that door because I care about her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. And I, I'll just say too, like, I, I understand like on the, on a, on a intellectual level that like, there are ways and days that Emma's going to be sad and no matter how happy I am, other people are sad around me. I think it's definitely that I don't, I don't expect that, but some days you, for me, it is still emotionally hard when you're like, I'm happy. I just want everyone to be happy and I don't want to deal with other people being sad. And I know that's unrealistic. That's not, that's not an actual way to move through the world, but I think it is jarring the first time you go through that and to recognize that it's because of, love or feelings for another person versus just like, you know, something happened in her day and now she's upset and now it's something happened in her day and she's upset. But that thing was another person that was other relationships. And that's, it's just a new level for, for me. And, and it's taken some adjusting to. So and yet, I wasn't if you think project it on you. <laughs> no. Well, and yet if you think about it, why is that any different than um, if Emma had a best friend And all of a sudden that best friend had lied to her or stolen something from her or, you know, said some horrible things about her around town or whatever. And, and Emma was feeling betrayed and hurt because that friend had emotionally hurt her. Why is it any different? Um, I mean, I, I recognize there's relationships and, and such, but if, if, okay. So, so one of your, one of your closest friends is a, a, an awesome guy named Rich. And, you know, if Rich had done something that really hurt you, but it had nothing to do with polyamory or a relationship, I would still want to be there for him. And I would want to help him through that process of hurt. Right. So, but I think we're so conditioned to kind of silo those feelings into these compartments because, well, that's, that's her relationship with him or his relationship with, with him or whatever the case may be. Um, but it's, it just comes down to the person that you love is hurting and you want to be there for them. Yeah. And I think that's my problem is I want to be there to the point of like, well, I can just fix it because I'm me, I'm your, I'm your spouse. So like, 
don't worry about your best friend. Don't worry about this other person. Like you've got me, you don't need anything else. And that's just not reality. And so it's not like an abandoning of like, oh, I don't care. I don't want to help you. It's like, I should be able to, and you shouldn't even be sad because I'm here. And like, it's just not realistic. And so it, it has been a mental adjustment for me. But uh, that's the, uh, I think that might be the, uh, the engineer in you. Yeah. I've got a problem. I'm going to fix this. Uh, this is, I see a problem. I can fix it. This is fixed. It's done. And it's yep. like, no, yeah, you didn't do anything. You just, <laughs> you, right. you, no, no, you made it worse. You oh yeah. I did make it worse. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You're like, yeah, you do make it worse. <laughs> no, that's not, I wasn't. I it's was. recorded now. You can't undo it. <laughs> no, 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 no. You have the best intentions. Right. Um, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> But I still make it worse. <laughs> I think it depends on the situation. There's nuances there. Um, but I wanted to just change the subject a little bit, unless you had more comments there. No, please change the subject. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned that you are pretty open about with your family and friends about who you two are and your relationship structure. I guess, can you expand a little bit on that and where you're at with that and how that journey has been? Yeah, it's definitely been harder for me, I think. I think Galen was ready to be just out there to whomever years and years ago, but mm. um, but I kind of held us back a little bit in that regard. And, and that's mostly just because of my upbringing, which was, you know, very conservative. And I... And, and, and not just a fear factor, right? Not, not just a being afraid of what people might think, but also like, I would never want to do something that caused disrespect to my family, um, or that put them in a position where they felt disrespected. Um, so in the past, I've been very guarded about who we talk to about some of the things in our lives. And my, uh, my mother was one of the last people that I needed to get it out there too and, and tell about it. And we had an occasion just, uh, last year <laughs> where all of a sudden it was just, the timing was just right. Like she had had to tell some news to me that she was really nervous about telling me. And, uh, and it was cute that she was nervous about it. Um, and I said, you know what, this is my, this is my opening right now. This is my only chance to like, she can't be mad at me right now if I tell her this right now. <laughs> and and sure enough we we shared the information and there was no big dramatic oh my god i can't believe you're doing this or something like that it was just okay this is who you are and um and in, in fact um with the bisexuality she wasn't that surprised thought i might have ended up with my best friend in high school eventually so <laughs> <laughs> so who knew and, and so you know you have and and that was an interesting experience too was um coming. So we're both 51 and we, I came out to my mother at 50, <laughs> which is, it just seems crazy. Right. And a lot of people would think, well, you're, you're in a relationship with, with a man and you're coming out as bisexual to your mother. Why does that even matter? Um, but it does, it really does. After holding that inside and not sharing that with key people that you love in your life for so long to suddenly come out with that, it's a really big deal. Um, yeah. and we've, we've got another, a very good friend who came out as gay, uh, male that I've been close friends with for 30 something years. And he came out a couple of years ago and we watched that process oh, that among all of our day. friends. Yeah. That was that, great. That was, that was incredible. Yeah. It was a, a friend of ours who is an actor 
and performer. And uh, we were in the middle of doing a huge theater production at the time. And we were at an after party at, at one bar. of the local bars. And it was packed. And it, it was, was just packed. jam-packed. And and he had said to me, I, I think I'm ready to tell people. We had known for a while that he was gay. And he said, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to share this with people. And we watched him go from cast member to cast member all around the bar and share this. And you'd have this moment of this earnest conversation between two people that we're looking at from a distance and then lots of hugs. And we watched that transition for almost an hour. And what an amazing experience. It's just little pods of, of, and we we didn't know he was doing it, but I I just happened to look over and I saw, I, I saw a couple, you know, the people he was talking to kind of, you know, the women put their, their hands up to their their face and and be like, Oh, and then give a big, I'm like, He's coming out to everybody. He's coming right out to now. everybody right now. Right oh my now. god! Watch, let's look at this. <laughs> wow! And he went from yeah, a little pod. You know how people gather in little pods yeah. in a bar, and 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 he just went from like table to table, from pod to pod, talking and and the same, you know, reaction and occasionally of, wiping tears. Yeah, and, and stuff it was, like that. and people yeah. would walk by and. And, you know, they'd be like wiping tears off their, off their faces and, and things like that. And it was just because, I mean, it was a big deal for him to come. And, it was and he was, deal. he was like yeah, around maybe 52, 53 yeah, yeah. at the time. And, yeah. and this big life changing event for him and to finally, finally come out. It was, it was just an amazing experience to, to watch that. And thing. I thought about that a lot when, when I was having the conversation with my mother, who was really the last holdout of, I, I'm scared that this person might find out, you know, right. That kind of feeling. And so I, it was very nice to have that out of the way. And in the weeks that followed, I was amazed at how much of a weight came off of me. You don't realize how much you're holding back internally, um, until that suddenly lifted and you can say at this point, there's, there's going to be someone who listens to this podcast that we're doing right now with you folks who doesn't know that, that I'm bi and that we're poly and they might be shocked by it. And I'm okay with that because the people that really matter in my life know and support me. So that's a weird place to suddenly be at for the first time in my life in this last year of I'm okay with that. I'm all right. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think too, the the thing that happens somewhat, maybe even subconsciously of you're, you're constantly policing everything you say to everybody, because what if you, and this happens to us all the time, like somebody will say something and we'll think of a story that's happened to us. And then we'd be like, how can we tell that story without, without divulging something that we don't want to divulge? And so we were, we were, especially with our closest family and our friends, we were constantly telling like, variations of a thing that's happened to us without ever really, really getting into it. And then it's like surface level because we can't share like, Oh, why we were there or who these people were or the real thing that happened. We can give like the punchline and nothing else. And when you get rid of that, everything just gets deeper. Exactly. And I mean, we're even doing that right now. And this is why it's one of the first things that drew me, towards you folks was the, the normalization of, of the whole thing. Um, even right now, and we're talking, we're, we're being kind of cryptic about who we're talking about the people who, yeah. who know, know. Oh, well, that's about just being respectful. To yeah, it's being respectful, it, but because not all of those individuals are out to everyone. But know? yeah, but yeah. that's the, that's the thing, man. What, what if it wasn't like that? Mm. What if we could just, you know, just be completely open all the time and, and talk because this would be completely normal. 
Well, I guess we wouldn't be having a podcast about it if it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it's but, wild to think about. Like, that's the hope, right? That's the hope that we get there. Totally. Totally. I would love to see a, a world where, um, you know, where it's polyamory isn't just like this weird, it's not even secret anymore, but it's, it's kind of like this. It's not fringe. At least it's out yeah. though. You know, at least it's out. It, it's out there, even though it, it's, turned into like its own kind of subculture, uh, at least where we come from. It's, 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 yeah, it's kind of its own little. Yeah. One of the things that kind of, kind of put us off in the early days of, of realizing that we were poly and that that label existed was we, we met with a a few couples like to have drinks or, you know, you, you come across people and say, Hey, let's get to know each other a little bit. And, and, and we'd have these conversations that were so rigid where people are like, well, I'm these terminologies and we follow these rules. And, and, and again, I don't ever want to yuck anybody else's yum if that's what they're really into. Um, but they got so immersed in making sure that they fit into all these little categories and that we knew exactly what those categories were and what all the correct terminology is. And, oh, you can't use this word. You got to call it this now, but that's going to change in three months and you need to keep up with it, you know? And, and that's, that's daunting and exhausting to me. And maybe it's just because I'm an older poly person, but I'm just like, nah, man, I just, that's the hippie in me. I just want to be me. I just want to love people. I want to be able to not put restrictions on how we love people. I want other people to have that freedom but I don't need to put a whole bunch of special labels on it and make sure that I fit into the right categories from this book. I just need to be me. And if everyone's happy and feels loved and respected to me, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the, the other thing that's that people seem to do a lot that I just don't, and I don't, I don't want to, um, the whole calendar thing, like, uh, I just can't grab I mean, I my suppose, head around. I suppose if you have like twenty partners, you gotta you gotta have a spreadsheet. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, well, that's that speaks less about you know a, a criticism of, of polyamory and more a uh, our how it fits in our lifestyle. Right. Um, being a full time uh, cruising sailors, we we don't schedules are the worst thing you could have on a boat. You just. <laughs> <laughs> no, your, your schedule is the weather, whatever the weather tells you to do. Oh my gosh, do it. it's so true. And, um, and I think that's, I think it's the same way. I, uh, you know, we just, I didn't, I didn't do this to, to have like a, a, a count. I, you know, there's things we got to do. We got to work here. We got to play there whatever. But, um, to be that rigid and tied to a, to a schedule like that would just drive me nuts. It's not mm. why. And, and, <sighs> And I really like the idea. So yeah, what if we had like twenty different partners between the two of us? And man, I don't care. Come over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Every come on over. Bring yeah, it's a potluck. <laughs> bring food. That's all I care. <laughs> just bring your own food. That's it to share. <laughs> bring food and the occasional rum. I uh, that's that's really actually it's a great idea. It's a good way to get food and rum. <laughs> Now you're thinking. Yeah, now I'm thinking. That's the pirate in you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm curious on the and and thank you both for like everything you've shared so far and especially like Allie with you talking about like coming out to your mom and like how important that is, you know, at 51 because it would have been so easy to just 
yeah, wait out another 20, 30 years. You don't ever have to talk about it. You're married. You're not married, but you're in a long-term relationship in a heteronormative relationship. Like, yeah, nobody needs to know, but like the power of people knowing is amazing. So yeah, good on you for that. And thank, thank you for you. sharing it with us. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have regrets too. I mean, my, my father passed away in, in 2019 and, and he was such an interesting guy and, um, and such an influence on our relationship and so special to us. And I never came out to him and I regret that I didn't. And at the same time, I know he wouldn't have cared. I couldn't think of someone who would, I mean, he would, he would care I mean, he deeply. Would, he would care because I cared. Yeah. He would but, not have yeah. judged you if there was any one person yeah it'd be him that would just be like yeah i have all these interesting parallels in in my life and in our life that i think about uh like the poly part of things and the the music part of things and not to, to categorize but my my dad's influence carries into so much of that he was in that same super conservative environment uh growing up and and with and and he raised me in that environment. But over time, he kind of pulled away from that. Um, still very much considered himself a, a, a Christian and a God-fearing man. Um, but over, Galen's already smiling <laughs> um, because uh, he he called us randomly, kind of the beginning of it. He called us <laughs> randomly one day and, and said, um, and I hope nobody's offended by this, but he, he, he said, which earring do I get pierced so they know I'm not gay? And I'm like, Dad, where are you right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the piercing pagoda at the mall. <laughs> Don't move. We are coming. Just stay there. And we got in the car and we raced up to the to the local mall and ran in there. And there he is standing there ready to get his ready to get his ear pierced. But he wanted to get the right one pierced. And I'm like, dad, it's not like 1982. You can do whichever ear you want to. But if you really want to know, you know, this is, this is what was considered the right Traditionally back in those days, the the left (laughs) ear was the one. And he goes, but they only sell them in pairs. And he was all upset because he's like, but, but they sell them in pairs. So I'm paying for a second one, but they want, but I don't want the other one. And he was all distraught over it. And And Galen's like, I'll get the other one with you. I'll get the other one, Bert. Oh my God. The, what a day. And he held the teddy bear while they pierced his ear. Yeah, we've got a picture oh, of him like holding the God. bear when they do the little uh, thing on his ear. And yeah. that was kind of the beginning of his his evolving. And he shaved his head. He had like, you know, the ring of bald baldness in the back. And he said, well, you know, screw that. I'm going to shave my head. So then he had an earring and he looked like Mr. Clean. Yeah, grew goatee. <laughs> Yep. Started yeah. smoking cigars and, uh, <laughs> and, Oh my God. I, I know this is, you know, off track, but no, it's amazing. He started, uh, so his doctor, doctor told him that he could have a, a glass of wine a day. Um, and he, you know, not a drinker at all. Uh, yeah. So a glass of wine, he goes, Oh, I got to have a glass of wine every day. And it's like, Oh, okay. So, and he tried, and he, well, he didn't really like wine so much, but you know. But they said it was good for his heart, so you should you just one glass of wine a day. You know you what's know? a lot like wine? Gin. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have some gin every day, and you know what? You know what gin goes good with? Orange juice. And when do I drink orange juice? In the In morning. The <laughs> so let's get up and have a big gin and juice. First thing in the morning, somebody who's never drunk 
much in their lives. I'm like, man, you just go, you just so, do so this, your thing. So this is part you. of his evolving and it just, it, it cracked us up so much. And, and because my dad was raised really conservatively, he, he didn't understand a lot about LGBT and, and, and everything that, that goes along with, with different lifestyles. And what amazed me, I actually wrote an, an, a little article about this is be, his name was Bert and, you know, be the Bert, ask the questions. And mm. my mother, God lover, you know, always wanted to kind of keep him from saying anything that could be embarrassing. So we'd be at Thanksgiving dinner and we'd be talking and I'm talking about a trans friend of mine and, and dad's like, how does that work anyway? And, you know, of course, immediately she'd be like, Bert, we don't need to talk about that. And I'm like, no, let's talk about it. You know? Right, right. And, and, and he was willing to ask the questions and he was always able to understand um, through us um, that you're not just talking about a category of people. These are real people that we're friends with. And these are the things that they endure and that they deal with. And once he understood those things a little better, he had such a different appreciation and empathy. Oh, he became an ally. Yeah. yeah he, he, he actually, you know, would come up to me and tell, tell me how he defended um, that, you know, in the, like someone spoke badly about individuals who were gay and I spoke, I spoke up about yeah. it, you know, and I told and, them, yeah, these are real people, you know, and blah, blah, in a very elementary in the way of looking at it, but also so amazing for a man to have developed his thinking over time into his seventies to the point of being like, I respect people and I love people. And if these people are good people that my daughter really likes and they're kind people, I need to understand their situation better. And that was amazing. So I know yeah. in the back of my mind, he wouldn't have cared that I'm bi. He wouldn't mm -hmm. have cared that I'm poly. Once I explained why we are the way we are and how we think he would have been like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He probably would have had questions. <laughs> a lot of, a lot, a lot of, of awkward questions, but would yes. have asked them and, and listened mm -hmm. to the answer, which is the difference from a lot of people, um, from, like his background, he would listen to your answers and, and take them, uh, give them the proper gravity. And, uh, and that's why he, you know, he changed so much in those, mm. those years. So ask the Burt questions. Ask the Burt yes. questions. <laughs> ask well, the Burt questions. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it brought up something when you were talking about Ali a few minutes ago about like, you want to, then you said like the hippie and you like, you just want to show up and sort of love and be loved and not fit into a box and all of these things and the labels. And, and I think what, one of the things that can happen, right. Is, and it sounds like this was a concern of your mother's with regards to your, your dad about like asking the question, like he was genuinely curious, genuinely loving, but maybe like the way he asked the question or the terminology he uses, right. Isn't quote unquote like PC or the latest and greatest, and it's so easy to be then afraid to be like, well, I want to ask this question, but I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong word, right? Like, what if I say transsexual instead of transgender? And right, this was something that was maybe 10 or 15 years ago was the norm and it's evolved away. And now transgender or just trans person is right where we should be. But, you know, your dad's 20 years ago still. And it's not because he's trying to be offensive. It's not because he doesn't care. It's just sometimes people don't catch up that fast. And then to not, to not jump on people and be like, Oh, you said clean when talking about your STI status. And we're not saying, that. and like, like the way to approach that is there's a way to do that lovingly. So people then are like, they feel welcome to keep coming back and not afraid then to talk about the next thing. 
And I think that's just something that like we've noticed or I've noticed a lot for sure over the years is like, yeah, maybe somebody did something or said something that was a little off color, but were they, were they trying to be hurtful or was it just a mistake? And then you can like, it's the opportunity for education Yeah, to welcome them in and be like, Hey, I'm so glad you're talking about sexual health and safety. You know, a lot of people now will say, you know, non-reactive or negative instead of clean and just something to think about as you're doing this. You don't have to like shame the shit out of somebody to like drive the point home about their vocabulary. And I don't know. I just, it sounds like your, your dad was like a great example of like, he wants to learn, he wants to love, but maybe like the way the words come out is a little harsh to some people, but that's not because he's like a bad person and doesn't deserve or want to love. That's such a great, great point, a great statement you just made. I, th- I think I'd even say it's our, our duty as, um, well, for me, you know, being an, being an ally, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's really my duty to be like that and, 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 and use those kind words of correction um, and understand that, like you said, you know, these, these people that we need to educate about this more often than not, are from are used to a different language they have different words for for the things that we're so careful that we we talk about and even you know even us you know we i i didn't know that you can't say clean anymore did you i know we're even living in a box or a boat <laughs> I, yeah how I, dare I, you how <laughs> could you not <laughs> that is that is something though with being living in our circumstances we're not plugged in like all the time to yeah. all the subtle changes but could you imagine not only not being plugged into that community but also being part of another community where most of the time they use inflammatory words and then if you're curious about it, if you, if you come up and say, you know, Hey, and, and I'm thinking about your father and how he, I can't remember the exact wording he used, but when you talk, um, you know, about our, our, uh, our trans friends, they, he, I forgot what he said, but it was definitely not PC. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he used some interesting words. But, yes. <laughs> and it was almost like he, he wanted to start a conversation that was, you know, the wanted to affirm his beliefs really. Mm. And, and then when we started talking about it, like I said, he turned in, turned into an ally, Yeah, like almost within, you know, within a few days of, you know, after having that upbringing like that and, and then just being able to, you know, turn like that. Well, and this is a, this is a man not to just dwell on my father, but I think, I think talking about him has brought up some interesting points for us. Um, the, uh, this is a man where I went to college out in Chicago. He was raised in Louisiana and 98% of his interactions with individuals who are black or African American, um, were negative growing up. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he had very firmed values in that regard that, that being in Maine, um, very different than growing up in Louisiana. I did not have those same values. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- went out to Chicago and, you know, uh, percentage wise, I, I don't know, maybe 25, 30% of my closest friends were, um, uh, Latina or they were, you know, black or, or something, you know, some, mm-hmm. uh, something that wasn't me. Um, and, and he came out and I, I had this amazing singing partner named Richard, man was 400 pounds and it just had the voice of an angel. Um, he, his voice would just fill 
a room. It was, it was amazing. And I had talked about Richard and how special he was to me, uh, and how we were doing all these really great things creatively, musically. And my dad was a little uncomfortable that I was spending so much time with a black man. Um, and he was a little bit older than me too. So he was just really uncomfortable with this. And then he came out, my dad came out and visited and met Richard and fell right in love with the man and just said, this is just the the biggest teddy bear of love that I have ever met in my entire life. And when you hear him sing amazing grace at the top of his lungs, you just cry because it's so beautiful. And my dad just fell right in love with Richard just the way I did. And it completely changed his view. Again, it was breaking down those barriers of, I've been taught to think this, but wait, here's an exception to that rule. And so maybe I've been wrong about all this other stuff. And when we can change our thinking like that and realize I've always thought this, but is this right? And is this, is this the only thing out there or should I be learning about these other things? When you open yourself up to that, it's amazing. The things that can, can come into your life that are positive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I want to say too, like, thank you for what you said a minute ago, Galen of like, I didn't know we couldn't say this. Right. And I think like, first of all, being able to say that and admit that like is amazing. And then I think it just proves the point even further. Like we've been talking to you for over an hour. You've been two of the kindest people we've, we've ever met. And so if you were to come to us and say like, well, we're clean, like it's so easy to be like, not, not these people, they're so out of tune and blah, blah, blah. Right. But it's like, no, like, how about you get to know the people and, and look beyond the one word you heard that landed hard. Right. Like you don't have to yeah. like just let's let's look past that at who these people are, what their intentions are. Well, it can open up a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like it, you're missing if you just shut it out, shut it down and say like, oh, I just don't want to deal with this person yeah. or this person's not worth my time. Well, you just missed a really big opportunity for a conversation that could lead to a lot more. And you, who knows what? Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> well, and, and and like I said, so some of that is to be because we haven't we haven't traveled in even though we've been polyamorous before we realized the, the word polyamorous and maybe I don't actually know when it started getting used. I think we might have been kind of poly before it was really getting used much. Oh, totally, we were. Yeah, because yeah. we're old, you know. Because um, old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, and that's something to take into consideration, right? Um, if if uh, if some of the people, I mean millennials did not create this, right? This has been going on for a really long time. So we're someone, my dad's age who maybe has been polyamorous since they were in their twenties might not really know all this stuff. They might just be out there living their lives, doing their thing, being very productive, being very kind and very respectful, but they don't know all this terminology because it hasn't been ingrained in them. And that doesn't make them lesser people. That just means they haven't been exposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing to remember is this is not new. This this is, this is something that's been going on since people have been people. This is, yeah. And 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 it's great that there's terminology and that, and that people are talking about it more, you know, that just means it's, yeah, it means it's opening up and and it's becoming more, more acceptable and, and, and part of our, part of our culture, which I love, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not a, it's not a new thing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I do too. Um, so in the interest of time, we, we're we going to like kind of stop that part of the conversation, even though I know we could talk about it for hours <laughs> um, and move on to a few other questions we have for you before we wrap up the, the episode. And let you get out of your sauna because we, we can see... <laughs> 
we can see the shirt buttons keep getting lower on Galen's uh, shirt. Yeah, well, that's that's just because that's who I am. <laughs> As I do Fair interviews, enough. I like to it's, take off more and more clothes. It's actually but, 25 but, degrees and you're freezing, but, you know, you unbutton the shirt, right? <laughs> well, so, I mean, a couple of things that I'm curious about. For one, like, how big is your boat? Is it going to be seized by the U.S. as they go after oligarch yachts? And <laughs> and then how do you, yeah, how do you, like, navigate this type of relationship? And also just, to be honest, any relationship in such, uh, well, let's assume it's small quarters, but maybe it's not. So one thing's for sure, um, the U.S. government does not care about our boat. <laughs> <laughs> Except for getting taxes from it and such. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we have a uh, 37 foot Endeavor sloop, which is uh, a typical cruising boat size. Uh, 35 to 42 foot range is a, is a great size for for uh, cruising uh, uh, couples and, and singles because it's uh, it's small enough to get into the places that you want to go have fun in. Um, it's also small enough so it doesn't cost a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, as far as like maintenance. Um, I mean, it does, but it, it's nothing. As you go up in size, like you get into mm -hmm. the 50, 60 foot range, it the pricing, uh, the the maintenance cost uh, ex exponentially. Parts are more expensive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's a, a very popular size. Um, we let's see uh, for people not familiar with with this type of boat. How could we describe our living space? So we basically have a big open room in the center of the boat down mm -hmm. below where we're we're currently sitting on a settee that is like a couch, and then we have another one just like it on the other side of the room, and then to my left we have a small galley where um, we're all electric and that's another whole conversation, but um, we, we have a, a galley where I can cook anything that I need to. Um, Galen just made coffee before we were doing this interview. Um, and then on the other side of me is at the front of the boat, what's called a V berth. So it's a V shaped bed um, at the front of the boat and it's widest point. It's a King size. So, but then it tapers down toward the mm -hmm. front of the boat, just like the boat shape. Right. So you get really used to sleeping with your feet kind of close together. Um, but you have a lot of room for your body. Uh, gotcha. and I think, and we have what's called an enclosed head, um, which is, it's a, a bathroom with a door that shuts, like there's privacy and you can mm -hmm. access it in a couple different ways. So it's a pretty nice setup. And we also have a quarter berth where someone could come and visit and two people who are a little smaller, who really like each other could sleep there <laughs> or one person could spread out and be really comfortable. Yeah. Or one can join you in the king bed. It, yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's enough. One thing that's cool about our boat is that it's really beamy or wide. Mm -hmm. It's super stable. It's never going to win any races, but we were going to live aboard it. So we wanted it to be stable and it's big enough where the floor space is so huge. I could put a yoga mat down and do yoga right in the middle of the boat. And a lot of traditional sloops or one masted sailboats, um, don't have that kind of room. You just barely have room to walk between the pieces of furniture that are built in. And mm -hmm. we have a lot of floor space, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So how have you two navigated moving into such a small space together in your relationship and not kill each other? Hmm. And we get, we do get asked that, um, quite a bit and I'm not sure, um, that we have a, uh, a good solid answer for that other than we, I mean, we communicate a lot. Um, I think the fact that we're poly and, and we're so used to communicating a lot 
aids with that. Oh, definitely. You know, so, so we're able to have those more delicate conversations of, you know, you keep leaving this here and it's really frustrating me because it makes extra work for me. So can you maybe do that a little differently? And another couple might not have that kind of a conversation. They just might get irritated for months. (laughs) And it's not that it's, it's been a challenge. Um, he said, looking at her, hoping that she agreed. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It hasn't been all rainbows. Oh no, no. I mean, you can't, you can't move into a tiny space with anybody, a brother, a mother, a a boyfriend, a husband, whatever. You're going to get on each other's nerves a little bit. Right. But yeah. And I don't even know if it's on each other's nerves. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of weird. And we're, when you do this type of thing too, um, because we're not just, it's not just like we've picked up and we've moved into like a tiny space. There's a lot, there's a, a, a many, many other dynamics involved with that too. All of a sudden we're traveling all of the time. We're away from our usual friends and family. We wake up in the morning and the, and everything's different outside, you know, and it's, we're in different areas where we don't know people. We have to get to know people. And, and then um, there's the whole captain first mate kind of thing. On top of that, Galen is a, a little bit more experienced at sailing than I am, even though we've been doing it together for almost like 15, 16 years. Um, and so generally he's considered the captain, except if I'm at the helm, whoever's at the helm is in charge at the moment. And that's how we run things to make sure that, you know, if he's been down below for two hours and I've been up above and running the boat, I know more about what's going on at that moment. So I'm considered the captain, but overall he is in charge when it comes to the boat and how it operates. And that creates another dynamic in our relationship that we've had to work through to make sure that I feel comfortable that orders are getting, um, followed when they're, when they're said, because that can be a safety issue, but it's another facet to the relationship that we had to work through. Yeah. 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 And, uh, one of the, one of the big things, um, that if you, if you talk to more, uh, uh, cruising couples and sailing couples, um, anchoring is always the big relationship killer. (laughs) So a lot of people buy these headsets so that if one person is at the front of the boat and the other person is at the helm at the back at the wheel, um, if there's a lot of wind, you can't hear each other well Mm -hmm. and they buy headsets so that they can talk and hear each other well. And they call them marriage savers. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if they actually work at that because I've seen it in instances where it hasn't saved anything. (laughs) We just Um, yell back and forth to each other. We have a few hand signals. And that's the, that's the thing too, is when you're, when you're raising your voice to be heard, that triggers something that is, you know, you have to recognize that, okay, she's, she's yelling at me right now, but that's okay. She's just, she's just yelling. She's to be yelling because it's really windy up front. And, she can't tell it. I can hear her fine, but the wind is howling and, in my ears. Yeah. And that, <laughs> and that first, you know, the jolt of you know, emotional energy is like, I'm getting yelled at. It's like, no, you're, you're fine. Um, being yelled too. <laughs> getting yelled too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, but, uh, what I want to say in that is, uh, we're, God, we're really good at anchoring. I'm going to say that right now, which is, good <laughs> and, and everybody should be. So <laughs> we, uh, when we're, when we're doing it though, um, we, we have, you know, a very well, thought out routine and, and, uh, and it works for us, but that is kind of, 
it's kind of uh, like how everything else goes on the boat too. We just kind of, uh, we kind of look to each other and, and see what the other person needs and we, and we talk about it. So, um, yeah, it's, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm not sure either, but we are awfully good at anchoring. We are good at anchoring. <laughs> That's really what I wanted to talk about is anchoring. That was really the core of the question. <laughs> and that's why we wanted to bring you on the show today. <laughs> the the but, anchoring podcast. But I, I will I will go off of what you said and, and, and say there are just so many things like that. Like the fact that we can wake up in the middle of the night with an anchor alarm going off and you know all of a sudden our boat is potentially moving and we have to deal with all of those things. There are all these sailing goes from zero to 60 in no time. It's like you could have the most beautiful day and the sun is shining and you're sipping your cocktail and you're like hearing jazz in the background. And then two seconds later, you're like, we're going to die, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, so there's a whole emotional dynamic that goes along with dealing with all of that. Um, because it can turn sour very quickly, um, with a big squall coming up or a big thunderstorm that comes out of nowhere or a boat that's suddenly careening towards you. We had a pirate ship last week that, that lost its engine in the middle of the anchorage and was coming toward us with no control. With full, uh, the guys that were on in full Full costume, full costume. None of them knew. Oh my God. They tried to put the anchor down. They couldn't put the anchor down. They didn't even try to put up a sail, which I don't understand. I don't think they knew how. I don't think they knew how. <laughs> and, um, but their engine was working. Looked good. They looked great. They, they looked great fabulous. Hair. Really great. And uh, after uh, <laughs> getting rescued at the last second by a, um, a, a guy tiny in a speedboat. Yeah, a little yeah. speedboat, uh, they got taken to a uh, mooring ball and they, they got on the mooring ball. And then they're all sitting there and they're all, it's, it was so weird. They were all in like these separate parts of the boat, just sitting there. Then one guy lights off a can and <laughs> it's like, there, I pirated. And I was like, oh, okay, you go boys. That's great. Wow. And yeah. ladies, there was ladies there too. So there's just all this stuff that, that we deal with that people who live on land and in, in regular homes or apartments just never have to even think about. And, and that adds, adds another layer of communication that we have to deal with. Um, and, but I'm, I think if, I think it's easier because we are poly and we're used to talking about everything that we're more likely to have those conversations and have it not be a huge deal. Yeah. And I think that's what I was talking about, uh, the dynamics and uh, all the different things that go into, into play that, um, and if, if you haven't noticed by now, I, I just kind of, I just kind of take everything. I don't, I don't compartmentalize much. I just kind of like everything all at once. And, um, learning about ourselves plays a lot into that too. I've learned a lot about myself and that seems, man, that just seems like such a hippie thing to say when I say it out loud, but it's true. Um, I've, I've learned, uh, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's just been like some, once you let go, once you let go of like, this is who I am and this is my, this is my rigid life. And you, you say, okay, I'm just going to live life the way I want to right now. Once you do that, lots of weird shit starts happening. And you're just like, man, like, I don't, why am I like this? I don't have to be that way. I can do what I want. And then you learn the consequences of that. And then, um, you know what I mean? You just, you just, uh, and I've learned so much about, uh, and just going back and reflecting on my behaviors and, and being like, man, well, why did I, why was I like that? 
and why do I do this? Why do I have this reaction? And, and that plays into our relationship that plays into like um, so many things. But yeah, I, I think, I think one of the big things has been me learning weird little things about myself and about each other. I mean, you wouldn't have thought after we moved on to the boat after we'd been together almost 20 years. And you'd think at that point, there's no mystery, right? I mean, and we were good friends and playing in a band together for three years before that. Mm. So, I mean, what else is there possibly to learn about each other at this point? Oh my God. There's so much stuff that I learned after we got on the boat about how he thinks and how he processes information and, and realizing that if I change the way I ask questions sometimes, it, it makes so much more sense to him and he can process it better. And, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. The things that we've learned because we've been in such tight quarters and witnessing everything that other person is doing pretty much 24 seven. Um, it's not something that you normally get when you're living on land in a bigger space and you have jobs and you're going different directions all the time. Um, it's, it's been a, a really cool part of the journey, learning more about you. Mm. Yeah. Same. Wow. I think the, I love the, the revelations that happen, let's say partly in, in part because of sailing, right? Like that, just what you said there, like if I realized that if I ask a question differently, maybe Galen interprets it better or different, or like I've asked this question a thousand times and every time it's a fight and I asked it differently and it wasn't a fight. Like, well, we learned something new today. And like, that's, I don't know. To, to be still having those revelations 15 to 20 years into a relationship is, is awesome. Well, it's a, like a perfect example is I, I've, I've over the years asked a lot of questions where I was saying something like, um, do you think we should go to shore this afternoon? That sort of a question can be kind of irritating to him, but I didn't realize that until we moved on to the boat. And it was like you said, it was starting a disagreement. And, and he'd be like, if you want to go to shore, just say you want to go to shore. And I'm like, well, no, I wanted to know what you wanted to do. But, but he was perceiving it, um, partially because of even at this point, past relationships being a little manipulative, he was seeing that a little bit more like I was driving it a certain direction for self gain. Yeah, I didn't realize how much I was getting triggered by things like that and, and why. Um, but yeah, um, manipulation in not just romantic relationships, but also, um, parental and, and business and, and friends, a lot of, a lot of gaslighting and yeah, some deep, some deep triggers there that I have had to kind of recognize and, and work through. And, and instead of saying something like, you know, do you want to do this? You know, instead of saying it like that, maybe saying, Hey, I'm thinking about maybe it might be cool to go to shore this afternoon. If we went to shore, would you rather do it at like one or three? And then he processes that completely differently. Then it's more like, Oh, well, yeah, I do kind of want to go to shore. Would I rather do it now or then later? You know, it's just a different way of approaching it, but it makes a huge difference in whether or not he reacts to it in a negatively or a positive way. Um, and I'm sure I have some of those things as well, where if I you, if you do. approach things a certain way, I'm much more likely to feel like it's productive and not confrontational or something like that. But be, being in the really, really tight quarters that we are, we're learning some of that stuff. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, that, that, those that, are... that conversation that you just outlined is one that we've been working on for years and like it's it is almost identical right like just the the way you can word a conversation and then or word a question and like the works on my end too right because it, it's i don't know 
verbatim of yeah. like, hey, do you want to do this? And it's like, how about lead with what you want, right? And but then like for so long, I would just get annoyed. And then like finally being able to like stop and say, hey, like I understand what you're trying to do. And even now when it happens, like I have to be like, I get where she's going. Like, can we then have a conversation about it in the moment and say, hey, like, I get what you were trying to do, but could, like, I was feeling this and like, but that didn't happen for so many years. It was just, it just carved the groove deeper and deeper and deeper. And now we're trying to like pull ourselves out of it and do it differently. And it's so I, I love that example so much because it was so relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was also curious how have like, the sailing community embrace like polyamory as well. How have you two navigated that as you've learned more about the sailing community and being your true selves out there? Hmm. I, that's a great question because I, I'm not sure. Um, because we don't lead with that information. Yeah. We kind of think of a, we kind of think of our, our poly existence as just, you know, part of who we are. And, and we, we don't tend to take the, you know, and because I met you five minutes ago, I need to tell you all about this and make sure you know that it's like, well, no, that's just part of who I am, right? I'm a musician. I also happen to be poly. I'm a writer, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bunch of different things. I'm not just that. Um, yeah. So um, I don't think we've had any negative reactions. Well, no. And, and we've not, we've never done anything like, like this, like a public forum sort of thing Mm -hmm. either. So this is the first time we've done that. But yeah, and it's not like on our, on our social media or anything like you said, but it's, um, for the people that have, we have told about it. I'm trying to think who we have and what conversations we've had in the, in the community. I I think the sailing community in general just tends to be, um, the cruisers. I'm going to specifically talk about cruisers. So lots of people own a boat, but maybe they go out on it a few times a year or it sits in a marina most of the summer or stuff like that. Um, in speaking of, of cruisers or people who live on their boats and travel around, I, I think people who have that mentality tend to be a little bit more open and a little bit more accepting in general. Um, on both sides of the spectrum too. Yep. Um, they might not, uh, I'm just thinking like political things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. There, there's been like, you know, we've, we've definitely had conversations with, you know, somebody would be like, well, I, you know, think this, that, and the other thing and be like, eh, you're not for me. And they'd be like, okay, good. And you know, you move <laughs> on because nobody is like, I'm not going to see this guy again. And yeah. yeah. Forever, I mean, and it doesn't matter. And, and we're enjoying a glass of rum. I don't need to make it a huge political discussion. Yeah, we disagree. Who cares? Yeah. Whatever. Move on. Whereas, do you uh, like music? Great. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> on, on on land, that would turn into this big argument, and uh, and people getting all bent out of shape, and it's just kind of like oh, I don't agree with that. Oh, okay. All right. No problem. And yeah. then you just know who you're friends with and who you want to, and maybe you're still friends with them. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. But, um, yeah, it's, so I, I, I don't know, maybe we test that out. Maybe we start being a little more, more open. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not that we're not open about it. It's not that we're, um, trying to hide it. It's just, I mean, how does that, it's not the first thing that comes up. Yeah. How does that come right. up in conversation? Uh, actually it could have, yeah. Hmm. Well, and just the fact that you're having trouble thinking of examples, like sounds like it just, it's kind of been a non-issue. So exactly. It, it yeah. has been a non-issue. And yeah. I was trying to think, uh, because someone, we, someone asked me last night about our relationship and I can't remember if I 
brought that forward or not. And isn't that kind of awesome that it's just, it's so normalized in our lives that it's like, yeah, I don't remember if I talked about it. Like, it's not this big reveal. It's just, it just is, you know? Or there was ample rum, one of the two. (laughs) (laughs) Or both. Yeah. Or both. Can't lie about that. (laughs) (laughs) love it love it well yeah thank you both for taking the time to talk to us sharing your story and i mean the vulnerability and everything you've shared today has been amazing and i will say the conversation about bert your father amazing oh i know thank you for that for going down that path with us when i kept feeling bad like i've we would get into the topic and i'm like i'm gonna move on to the next thing but wait there's so much more richness here and i don't want to move on but we've talked about this for a while so it's just that's i guess that's a sign of a really fantastic conversation when you when you want to keep talking and so thank you both for for everything Absolutely. And this is his, uh, I know you viewers can see, but this is his shirt, by the way. He's um, wearing a Hawaiian shirt when, that was my dad's. And when you get on our, uh, our like our social media and, and uh, YouTube and stuff, but we, uh, when you see me wearing a Hawaiian shirt, it's one of his shirts. Nice. I, I, he had a collection of Hawaiian shirts that I inherited and, um, and a hat. And that's uh, my tribute to him is, is wearing that um, whenever I can um, on uh, like on a, uh, uh, interviews and stuff like that. And Emma, yeah. what you just said about the conversation, that's such a great analogy just for, for poly and relationship development over time anyway. Right. It's like you start, you go in with a certain thing in mind and you have like certain questions or certain ideas of how something's going to go. And then something different happens or you meet somebody different and then it changes direction. And, and, and some of those diversions that happen in life wind up being some of the most awesome things that happen to us. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good, yeah, uh, comment on that. Cause it's, that's exactly what this conversation was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's yeah. amazing. And, and, and Galen, you mentioned your social media and your, your, your artists, your singers, your songwriters. Can you let people know where they can find you, how they can get more of you too, and promote a little bit of what you're doing and then yeah. we'll let you send some people. We would yeah. love to send some people your way. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, uh, sale bums, uh, on Instagram and, and Facebook, um, and, uh, salebumsmusic.com is kind of our, you know, our hub on the web that you can access all this stuff from our, uh, Patreon pages on there too. Um, and, uh, YouTube is under sale bums as well. Yep. Sailbums, so S A I L B U M S like beach awesome. bums, only sale bums. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. so there will be links in our show notes to all of your stuff. So people don't have to write that down and they don't even have to remember it. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you again and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you guys. And we're back. A huge thank you to Allie and Galen for coming on the podcast and for sharing your story and just for yeah getting all of the amazing conversations that we had out there. Yeah, we couldn't be more grateful. So thank you both. And yeah, thank you. A quick reminder to go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There you can find podcast show notes. You can find information about our Patreon community, which we have ongoing um, ongoing MeWe chat. We have monthly Q&As, and we also have men's and women's groups. If you're out there looking for community and like-minded people, we strongly encourage you to check it out. We also have community events listed on our website as well. So we'll have virtual meet and greets that are open to anyone coming back in August. Yeah. And the other thing you can do while you're there is click on our resources tab. 
And there you will find all of Emma and I's favorite resources that we use to help us and our journeys of non-monogamousity. <laughs> what do you think? Did I do it? Good. good. Yeah, yeah, good term. At the top of which, on top of the list, if which, of which, at the top of the list. We got this. Keep going. One of our favorites, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, one of our favorites is stdcheck.com. This is a service that we have used for years to get tested for STIs. We absolutely love it. It's affordable. It's easy. It's fast. It's about $130 for a 10-panel test. When you use the links on our show notes, you save $10 and you help support the show financially. So a huge thank you in advance, not only for supporting the show, but for being awesome sexual health advocates. Yes. I think that is all we have next until week, next week. Next week, next week, next week, we have a regular and scheduled interview with Serena. So next Wednesday, come back and listen to that. It's amazing. And I think with that, is that it? Other and thanks for hanging in here. This has been a long episode. We yeah, know. This is where all the rock stars shine. The people who've been on here for two hours, they've got nothing better to do. They're probably sitting in their car, dreading going into the office. <laughs> Still listening. Still listening. So now Emma and I are going to do... A uh, medley of shanty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They don't want to hear us sing. That's valid. That <laughs> no, is a, no, no. Can confirm. <laughs> we'll, right. we'll let you go. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>